For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. G'day and welcome to the Spirit of Sport on Sydney's newest home of sport, 1170 SEN. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. So glad you're able to join us tonight because my special guest is a really good friend. He's a rugby league prop and hard man, Paul Osborne. He played over 130 games with both the mighty St. George Dragons before they split, I've got to say, and the Canberra Raiders, claiming premiership glory with the Raiders in his last ever game in 1994. They win against the Bulldogs. Who'll forget? It's gone down in history as one of the greatest grand final performances that we'll ever see. He should feel pretty unlucky not to have won that Clive Churchill medal, I've got to say. Upon retirement, Paul turned to the world of politics and just when you think rugby league was hard. As I said, he's a really good friend, though he's never invited me over to his house or anything like that, just to set the record straight, but I count him as a friend. Let's see if he is. Paul Osborne, welcome to the Spirit of Sport. <laughs> You're not welcome, big boy. You're not welcome. <laughs> you, you, you're doing the interview, so that, <laughs> that's, that's you know, that's a great sign of our, our friendship, I've got to say. I was quite, yeah, well, exactly. I was quite happy to let you keep talking because it was going so well. It was going well. Did you feel, did you feel, you should have won that Clive, Mer- who, who won it that year, the Clive Church? Dave Ferner. Dave, you're the one who put him through. No, I made him. You, you put know, him through. Exactly. He made the kangaroo tour. I told him you should have given me his jersey. <laughs> I actually, I actually I roomed with Dave Ferner and I went out in Brisbane and I went and uh, and bought a, a real tight – he's a pretty straight shooter. I, wear, I wore a real tight pair of black jeans and I tried him on. I said, mate, what do you think? He said, Steve-O, don't tear the tag off. Get them off straight away and race right mm. down. Beg them, beg them to take them back from you because you look, you look absolutely woeful. I'll never forget he, that. He said it with such certainty, and it was just like there was no empathy, there was no toning it down. It was just like I'm going to tell you the truth as a friend, and I appreciated it eventually. Yeah, no, he's he's like that. He's um, you know, very straightforward, good guy, and Top can fight just quietly and can throw a punch. Oh yes, I learned very on early on not to ever question him or. Really kill him, or if I was going to really kill him, make sure I was at a distance away. Well, I think Shane Webke learned that that lesson as well from Dave. Yeah, but he's a good guy. He's, yeah. he's, where's he coaching somewhere this year? Did he end up at Bulldogs or something? Or he's been around the traps. I've got to say, you went to England for a bit. And... Do your homework. Do your homework, Steve. Well, it's not about him. It's about you. It's about you. That's mm. it. You're, right. the, you're the special <laughs> guest. Now, before we get into it, I know we've started, but we've got some getting to know you type questions. So, whatever comes to mind, just shoot. And we're off to the races. You ready? Sure. First concert. Uh, I think I worked at it. I worked at a David Bowie concert in '83, selling ice creams and eating them just quietly. But I think the first one I ever went to was either <laughs> the Police in '83 or Cold Chisels Last Stand. I'm not quite sure. It was one of the two. Wow. So there's some good ones there. There's some. Good yeah, ones. yeah. I worked at the U2. I worked at the U2 concert just to. To get a free concert, and uh... well, I went to the. Actually, I thought it was you two initially because I went to their first concert in Australia, which was at the old entertainment center. But I think that was ninety four. I think the police or uh, cultures of the last time was certainly eighty three. Were you born then? I was. You were like ten. I was ten. Was that when you were that? You know that photo I sent you the other day when you were that fat little kid? Was that around that era? 
Well, cuddly is another word for it, but cuddly, uh, yeah. cuddly, yeah. Let's go, let's go with cuddly for the, I've for been the, a, I've been a the correct long. times that we're in. Let's go with cuddly. <laughs> I've been a lifelong fatty brother, don't worry. It's okay. <laughs> so, but, was it your first job? That's the next question. Your first job was that, or no? I worked at no, no. I worked at um, Ruben F. Scarf at Annandale, I think, on a Thursday night and a Saturday morning, <laughs> selling you, suits. You are a Ruben F. Scarf man. To the T. That's <laughs> nine speak. or ten. I was in year nine or year ten. I can't remember. Oh, too funny. What's your it name? was horrendous because we played MCC obviously because you're a, a Maris Cobble boy and I went to Lewisham and you played footy on a Thursday, right? So my dad would pick me up, come to the game, and, you know, probably flog Cogra, go home, get dressed, and have to get a bloody work. It's horrible. Gee, gee. Stand up, you couldn't sit down either. So it was three or four hours standing up. Gee, mate, Crimea, Crimea River. Some, some, some kids overseas are, are travelling miles to get fresh water, but no, no, you got to – sorry, mate, you got to stand up. My dad's, a, my dad's a lovely man. What's a lovely man. What, what's your most embarrassing moment? Oh, probably this. Next? Favourite movie? Um, no, I think uh, – well, I think my most embarrassing was when I was in Parliament. I went to some function at a bowling alley, and I went to bowl, and I, I just had my normal shoes on, and you know when – that bit where the ball goes down is quite slippery. Yes. So I, 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 I bowled the ball, then I you know, went a couple of steps down the alleyway and slipped right on my backside in front of about 400 people. It was magic. And were you uh, but, elected after that as well? You, did it yeah, yeah, I think it was. It worked I think it went in my first term, so I got elected twice. Yeah. So. Because people <laughs> like a vulnerable man. They like they like people to be brought down. That's me. Yeah, that's <laughs> what's your, what's your favourite movie? Um, probably, I would have to say the, the, the Lord of the Rings 3 trilogy, oh, probably. Yes, yes you know. I read the books but, as a kid. Oh, I couldn't read them. I tried it. At, at, but, I still remember at the, the high school at, at uh, the library at Cogramaris High, where my name mm-hmm. is on the board as vice captain, but that's another story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there when I was there. And uh, I, I just tried to read it, and that was so in-depth, and the... The language it was it was just beyond it big, was words. My, yeah, big words, boy, isn't it? Big very words. big words, a bit too big for me. <laughs> but that's my favourite. That's my favourite series of all time, hands down. Yeah, and I, the thing that I liked about it was I'd read it when I was I think year nine at, at Lewisham. We I think we did the Hobbit first, and then I you know progressed to, to Lord of the Rings, and then the thing though was that I thought I thought the movie was you know you visualise something in your head. Yes, and I just felt that the movie. I think Peter Jackson got it pretty closely. You know, I think oh, he did a great job. He did. Like, come on, like he. he I wasn't that. Happy. I wasn't that happy with the Hobbit series. I got to tell you. Yeah, I yeah. I think he milked it. I think he milked it probably a little bit too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I never read the books, but um, obviously the 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 biggest part of that that whole story was you know was the Fellowship of the Ring and you know mm. re- the Return of the King. Was and, it- you know. Was I supposed to say Chasing Comets is my favourite movie? Well, you would have had to have seen it for you to have actually said that. So, uh, yeah, true. Yeah, and no one has said was that. Was that the name way. of it? Not even, <laughs> not the- even my <laughs> mum when I interviewed her said it, so, so don't feel bad. <laughs> was, that the, was that the name? Did I get the name you right? the name right. You can see it on the stand, by the way. You can I just checked the text stand. you sent me. Yeah, yeah, that's what you said in the text. <laughs> what's your, uh, what's your pet, pet hate? Uh, well... Uh, lack of sleep, and you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously, we'll talk about my family situation at some point. But you know, I'm remarried, and I have two little children. I'm 54, by the way, and I have a four-year-old just turned four this week. 
wow. who comes in every night. And I have a two-year-old who comes in at like 4.30, 4.30 a.m. goes, hi, Papa, hey, Mama, oh. and then doesn't go to, yeah, won't go back to sleep. Yeah, look, he's been doing my little Presley, who's you know, I'm 48, I've only got one, so I feel for you, and I feel for you. I can finally say, yeah, I can finally say I relate a little bit, a little bit, because I tell you, when he has been coming in at 4:30, I just that day I am just shot. So we've actually been leaving him in the cot just to scream for. They said you've got to, you've got to leave leave him in there because he he gets into a pattern of routine. it's just so hard. I mean, I, I can't imagine how it is when they're four and they can, they've got their own little life. They can get out of bed and. Well, actually, it's it's not too bad because he just comes in and he goes, uh, "Hey, Papa," because he calls me Papa because he's half Swedish and. And you look like and, a grandfather, um, yeah. And you are well, a grandfather. I, I'm not actually. I should oh, be. Not? I should oh, be. No, okay. I should be. Okay. But he comes in and he stands next to me. He goes, "Hey, Papa." I said, "Who's that?" He goes, "It's Magnus Osborne." I said, oh, <laughs> but there's nobody else. I've ended. So he jumps in. It's he doesn't go on his mama's side because, you know, he does. He just, I've got a video, a recording of it next time. We, I think we're going for a walk tomorrow. I'm going to leave this. That's but beautiful. Freya, he does. He's a Magnus Osborne. Oh, and, then, and then Freya, Freya is two now, but she's learned how to climb out of the cot. Oh, you know, man. she used to she used to um, yeah, entertain herself. She, you'd hear her at four thirty five, and she'll talk to herself. You know, and she'd stay in the cot. Now she can climb out of this stupid thing. And I hear her coming up the stairs, clunk, 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 clunk. Opens the door, bangs it, you know, and says, "Hi, Papa. Hi, Mama." It's like four a.m. I say, "Dude, get back to bed." <laughs> <laughs> she was no part of it, you know. Oh, that's funny. You know, anyway. my niece. Um our niece, when she was that age at um, at daycare, they always she never liked wearing shoes, and and they used to say, "Layla Bradshaw, put your shoes on," and she thought that was her name. So when when the mum would ask her, "What's your name, Layla Bradshaw? Put your shoes on," and it was like that. it was like that for ages. It was like that for, for years. It's funny. But it's so cute. It's so it's, cute. My oldest my oldest son Jacob is twenty six now, and he. You know, obviously the kids are all pretty tired. They love the babies. And he said to Magnus, maybe six months ago, he said, oh, Magnus, you're so handsome. He goes, I'm not handsome. I'm Magnus Osborne. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, take it, dude, take it. Uh, that's probably my pet aid. Who's a person no, from uh, history you'd like to have met? Mandela. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I mean, having had some... Political experiences, I just, I, I just marvel at him. I mean, the level of forgiveness, really, mm. to be able to. I mean, I, I look at South Africa today, and I'm, you know, I just, it's, you know, I've been to Africa a few times, um, and it's just heartbreaking that they haven't continued on from his legacy. But I mean, to come out of jail the way that he did, and 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 lead that nation, and mm. I mean, especially, I mean, the memory around the World Cup too, you know, because mm. the Springboks was such a you're so so identified with apartheid that you know it's a bit to 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 walk on the field with um, the captain's jumper was just but it's just a good man, great man, mm. you know. And and uh, I think you know I would have loved to have met him. Probably. Did you like the film they did about? Him? I did. Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah, it's hard. To, I mean, it's hard to get it right, you know. But yeah. but I think um, you know I just think he was just a man for the ages, really. A bit like yourself, Stephen. Well, I didn't want to say, but thank you. Something you wish you were better at? 
um, uh, training. <laughs> now, now, now or when you were playing? <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> Constantly. I remember when I went to St. George from school, I thought I was quite fit. And, you know, he turned up my first training session in uh, 1985 and I was like, last. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't couldn't get anywhere near them but I don't know I think maybe that I'm, I'm studying Swedish at the moment to be better at that I just don't do my homework like school and cram the day that I have lessons so. Is that, are you doing it by an app? Is it by an app? No 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 I've got a class I do a class so um, it's a Zoom class at the moment that's oh, wow. with with a, a college in the city so it's a horrible language there, though, I've got to tell you. My wife's not here, so I can say that. Will your kids grow up learning that? You're, you're too? Yeah, they do. My wife speaks Swedish to them constantly, so... How do they alternate? I was asking this the other day with someone, though, because they're teaching their kids Italian. I was like, well, then how do they alternate to know what's... Because, you know, they say kids are like sponges at a young age, and how they they know that that's Italian, that's, that's English, that's... You know, I do don't know, and I'm... I don't know, and I'm an adult, but <laughs> I think, uh, I, think um, I noticed, like, and we do it deliberately, obviously, um, because we want them to be like, bilingual, um, but it does delay their speech a little bit, if you like, so we've been, we t- I actually took Freya to some speech therapy last week, and said, no, she's fine, you know, she's obviously just bilingual, because, you know, and I'll say a lot of Swedish words, like, you know, vatan is water, and, you know, food, and, you know, sleep, and, you know, gnagnag, Ask it, I love you, and all that type of stuff. But I think it just, it just. I mean, I'm not speaking as an expert, but I think that what happens is it just sort of embeds in their DNA, and they right. pick it up, you know, and they pick it up. So you know, it does delay. It does delay their. I mean, Magnus is just turned four, and you know, he still he doesn't speak super clearly. You can't always understand, him, especially when he when he rushes, but. But he, you know, I'll say to him, count to ten in, in Swedish, you know, go et tvår, tvåg, you know, fear fan, blah, blah, blah. He knows it, which is great. Mm. So, you know, we want... Yeah, yeah we don't. We, you know, we might. come in handy because there's a lot of people that sw- speak Swedish in, in Australia, Swedish in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> and I think, it, yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but you're being serious. <laughs> hey, what, what's the thing you did growing up that made your parents the most upset? Um, yeah, getting married but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just a torment to my siblings I think I'd tell them they tell right me now yeah. yeah yeah pretty much pretty much when, mm. what's the biggest thing you've been nervous about uh, I think I think um, getting married the second time probably yeah that's a good one hmm Lesson that's taken, sorry. So go on, go on. You're doing the interview, not me. Lesson that's taken you the longest to learn. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I tend to I tend to learn things reasonably quickly. Um, I think I think one of the best lessons I've learned in the last ten years is that God loves me unconditionally. Mm. You know, and probably took took some some working out in my own head, but you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that stuff towards the end of the interview. But that's probably been. The most, you know, important lesson I think. Um, but I tend, to, I'm, I'm the type of person that I, I tend to own my mistakes as best I can, and and you know, I don't, 
I don't like to get into denial about stuff. I just try and move on and try not to do it a second or a third time, which I inevitably do. But, um, you know, I'm a reasonably quick learner, I think. Well, you said that, uh, you mentioned earlier, you went to Christian Brothers uh, in Lewisham. Um, mm. I went to, to Cogramarist uh, Brothers. We were always a bit at, at war with each other, but it was all good fun because rugby league was so strong. Um, yeah. What, what, did, what did that school do for you? What did you take away from that school? Uh, I think I think uh, I mean, my friendship group is still pretty much from school. You know, I, I think that I, I you know, I got I got a lot from that school in 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 um, relation to relationships with my mates, and um, you know, it was a I had a terrific time at school. Obviously, when you play football, you treat a little bit differently, and we had a pretty good footy team. Lewisham, but I've got a very strong friendship group still from there, and um, you know we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit later about Noah. But um, you know, one of the things that I've done in the last year or two is I've you know sort of tried to reach out to my friends and just sort of get out of the house a little bit. Um, and you know, and the type of you know you know what it's like when you got mates, even guys from from footy um, mm. that you just bond with. And there's a, you know, you're doing, you do stuff that you don't sort of do with other people, and it just connects you for life, you know. And yeah, that's um, true. you know, and uh, so I think, you know, that's the one thing that I got most from school was my friendship. And you know, Maria, more no, Maria when she came when we came here, you know, we, she, you know, I, I hook up with mates that I've been friends with for 35 years, or 40 years, you know, mm. and 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 she sort of marvels about a little bit. But I think that's what Lewisham did. And I think that whole Catholic school system was a little bit like that, especially, the, you know, I mean, there's, there's pros and cons, I think, in, in co-ed and single-sex schools. But I think from from my perspective, I think the fact that I went to an all-boys school really cemented that for me. Yeah, I think um, it's funny you mentioned that about reconnecting with uh, with schoolmates because that, that's what's something I've... That's what's something I've been doing actually recently, reaching out to all my old schoolmates. Um, mm. I don't know. There just seems to be a um, yeah. I think maybe it's the history, the the bond that you had there. Well, I think, and, I think, and you got I think to know them fine. without the no, you weren't you didn't have the notoriety, and so they were real exactly. with you, and you got to know exactly. them and what they were really like. Do you know? But they got they liked you because you were Jason Stevens, not not Jason Stevens, a footballer, or yeah. you know they're friends with you because they liked you. Yes, you know, that's and, right. That's right. Yeah. And I and I, I find that very comforting. You know that. Um, mm. You know, uh, my like my best mates, a physio down here, and you know, I'm obviously in the show like you down at Cronulla. Mm. You know, I've been I was best man at his wedding, his best man at my wedding. You know, and he's and we walk every Saturday um, in the national park predominantly. Um, Glenn Clacker, you know him from the show here, and you know he picks me up. I don't even know where we're going. You know, I'm just trying to go and hang out. We, we don't talk that much. We just hang out for a couple of hours, yeah. walk in the national park, and he drops me home. You know, and it's just, you know, we've been friends for such a long time. We don't need to sort of, you know, catch up on everything. You just sort of, you, you fit back into that relationship pretty comfortably, you know? So, so, so in that, at that school, obviously you started, was that where you first started playing rugby league? Was it outside of that or...? No, I, play, I went to St. Thomas's Primary School. I'm a Newtown junior, and I played in that competition in the under sixes, I think. Um, and we had, uh, you were probably the same back in those days, they didn't have different size footy fields. You played on a full 
sides football field. Yeah, there's no and mini team, or mod league. You know, that's no, nah, and the <laughs> team that had the fastest runner normally won the comp, and we had the fastest runner. And I take so, that it wasn't you. <laughs> that wasn't, it wasn't me. You me. <laughs> I, got, I got downstairs with all these trophies from, from like Tomo's under six or seven dates when I was runner-up for best and fairest every year because a guy's name was John McElwain was just the fastest runner. He used to you know, score 10 tries a game. <laughs> We couldn't get beaten, but and then you started, so that's where I played for you. That's where you so you started. How did you make the transition to to Saints? But it was back in nineteen eighty six. You were just nine. No, eighty eighty four. I played uh, Lewisham. We made the the Commonwealth Cup final. Yeah. I don't know what it's called now, but oh, yeah, the um, Commonwealth Bank Cup. It used to be called. Yeah, yeah. Final. So we, yeah, and I played. I played Australian schoolboys and uh, a few other things, and then um, I got approached. Bice and George, we've got a couple of other clubs. I played flag for Balmain that year, and we won the Jersey flag. Um, but they had, you know, I talked to Keith Barnes, was the secretary back in those days. Um, and I talked to Keith, and, you know, Blocker was there, and he was young, and there was, you know, there was a young forward pack, and I wasn't particularly, you know, I wanted to go somewhere where there was an opportunity. And, you know, St. George approached me, and obviously Albert was there, Craig Young was there, and and St. George, you know, back in those days, was a very strong club. We, I think, um, they made, they just missed, missed out. No, they, they missed out on the grand final. They got knocked out in the, I think Canterbury or Parramatta knocked them out in the preliminary final in 84. Um, but they were a very strong club. They won a club championship. And, you know, the Bulldogs chased me as well. But most of the Australian schoolboy side went to, to the Bulldogs. And I thought I wanted to go somewhere where I was sort of a little bit Unique, so I went there, and Mark Landwell also signed at St George. So two of us went to the Dragons for the '85 season, and I played under 23s, and we lost, I think, one game or two games all all year. Won the grand final, reserve grade, won the grand final, and first grade lost seven six against the Bulldogs in '85. So it's a very strong club. So that's how I ended up there. It's it's very funny because uh, when I was playing in the 21s at St George. I, I uh, well, I think I was on two hundred and fifty dollars, and I wanted a bit more. I didn't have a manager or anything. My mum and I went up to the the office. I won't mention the CEO's name, but he was a good guy. The flemo was it? Flemo? No, 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 it wasn't. No, no. It was that Jeff Carr then? Yeah, so it was only two of them. And then I said, you know, like I was talking about my potential and stuff like that. He took out a photo, and you were in it of, mm. of the twenty, the the. Uh, was it the third? It was the third grade team, and said yeah. this, this team won the comp. He said, "Guess how many are playing first grade?" And there was about three from that whole squad. So in other well, words, me. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> he goes, "I don't because we we had got to the grand final and so forth." And so his point was, "I don't care. No one's got, not many people go on from from those grades to to become a first grader." So no, I'm not giving you any more money. And he did. <laughs> That's why you left and went to the Sharks. Oh, I held it in the back of my mind. Don't don't worry about that. But it's it's different different times. Obviously different times. But um, yeah. the experience at St George, I think, was it was a very strong sort of footy culture. I thought it was a, oh, it was yeah. a good 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 bunch of playing blokes. But then, I loved course, it too. Yeah, and but then of I course, did. yeah, you moved. You end up moving in the '91 season to the to the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Um, it wasn't a super successful period at St George. You know, we sort of. In '85, we, as I said, we made all every grade 
made for grand final. We then went to Rio for our end of season trip. Oh, that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> and and uh, the next year we didn't make a semi in any grade. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't a big change in player personnel either. To be to be honest, you know, that a couple of players retired, but you know, from eighty six, eighty seven, you know, it wasn't it wasn't uh, super successful. Eighty eight, because Roy was still coaching, and then um, eighty eight, Teddy Glossop came for a season, and that was the year that I, you know, started to play first grade consistently, and you know, it wasn't again not a great season, but we. Um, we won the, the Panasonic Cup, and then Albert coached for a couple of years, and then Brian Smith. And you know, I had uh, you know Smithy for a year, and you know, I learned a lot from him. But I was just you know, we didn't gel, yeah. you know, and um, which is fine. I mean, I I, I think uh, if I hadn't had that year with Brian, that I wouldn't have been able, I think, to go to a club like Canberra and play with that level of players. Because you without. had Laurie Daly, Ricky Stewart, Gary Belcher, and of course you were Tim Sheens, the great Tim Yeah, was, was super coach. Yeah. Yeah, he's in England. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, actually. I talked to him, you know, every grand final week. Is, is he, has he, he's not coaching over there, though, is he? Is he? No, he was. He was. He was with some club, but he, um, you know, I just, I check in, say, say good day, see how he's going with all the COVID stuff over there. Because you get an old alpha he was a, look, I'll tell you what, I never had him as a coach, but um, every time I got to speak to him, I was enthralled by his conversation around league. And also, I had the worst games I ever had as a player against the clubs that he coached because he just knew how to how to target me. He said, I, I found out once I retired that he basically, they just said, run at him all day, run at Steve. Yeah, because... Make him yeah, tackle, soft. make him tackle. He's soft, he's lazy and not soft. Not for that, no, actually, I wanted to get... <laughs> Oh, the belly, the belly was soft. It still is soft, but they just they ran you down to the ground. You had no energy to run, and that was probably you know I like to think one of my stronger points. But but uh, so did you feel the pressure going to a big club like that? Because you know they they, they were big names in, back in the day. Yeah, I did. I didn't want to leave St George. To be perfectly honest with you, because um, I left because they'd offered me a contract mid season in '91, and we. We, did, we had a reasonably successful. I don't know. Did you you played a couple of games in first grade? I think no, in that was 90, no, no, ninety two. Only played. Two okay, games. maybe Paulie did. I think your brother might have played the odd game with us. But um, we, you know, we missed out on the semis. We had three draws in the last four weeks or something, and we missed out on a top. It was top five back then. And um, they'd offer me, you know, not you know, a reasonable contract at, at mid year, and at the end, you know, it was halved. And I said, well. You know, we'd agreed on this, and they're saying this. And you didn't have managers as you knew back in those days. No, no, it was. Uh, no, it was and, and Canberra had been through, uh, you know, that that had some shallow cap issues in '91, and you know, a lot of guys left. And uh, Shanti called me, and I thought, what a what a, an opportunity. And I did, I didn't feel any pressure. I, I was actually looking forward to going to a club with 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 the quality of the player. But but obviously, as you know. Um, in 92, 93, Canberra, we missed out on the semis in 92 and you blokes made the grand final. So, you know, yeah. I was thinking to myself, what have I done here? <laughs> <laughs> and then I think in 93, we played you in the semis as well. And, and Yeah, not, yeah, I think, no, you, you, yeah, come, we, you, we, we had a really good side in 93, but Ricky broke his ankle against the Sharks, actually. I don't know, against Parramatta. Um, I'd, 
got injured. We played the Sharks about three games there. We beat Broncos on a Friday night down home. Then we played Cronulla, and I'd hurt my rotator cuff, so I missed the next game, which was um, we played Parramatta at Bruce Stadium, and we beat them by 50 points. I think Mal scored four tries or something. But Ricky fell awkwardly and dislocated his ankle and broke it. I don't know if you remember, but he won the Rockman of the M that year, like both awards. And uh, I remember going, they, they carried him off, and I actually went into the sheds because, you know, it's like your whole season flashes before you. Mm. And his ankle was out, and he was screaming, and, and you know, I was there um, you know, with him when, when the doc sort of had to put it back in. So it was broken but dislocated as well, so I had to sort of straighten that. And the doctor was a guy called Charles House, and from that day forward, he just went up in <laughs> my estimations because he just... You know, you want someone in the crisis to handle that that type of thing, you know. Mm. And and there was, you know, three of us, in, four of us in the sheds. I think Brian Hyder was in there or Sean McRae. Someone was there, you know, we're just sort of holding Ricky down because he was in a terrible state and just straightened it. And we didn't win a game after that. I think there was one more round to go. Yeah. We played you guys first and you smacked us. I don't know. Well, I do know why you lost that year, but I thought you were the fa- you guys were the favourites. I thought we were going we played, in, yeah, we were going in. Yeah, that, yeah. But you were, but you, I mean, you, that was when you broke your hand, right? Or your finger right. or something. Yeah, that's right. Think, yeah. So we, we, so in 93, you guys knocked, beat us, then we played the Broncos and they smacked us. I think, you know, everybody other than me played, you know, slotted in the halfback. But when, when you lose, <laughs> when you lose a player your, like Dick. Yeah, you lose your Andrew Johns, your Jonathan Thurston. Yeah, he, he was, you know, yeah. he was the key to yeah. that club. You know, like I, I, I of all the players, I mean, and they were superstars. They like, you know, the, the the guys that you will never see playing again as good as them. But he was the one that held together for me. And you know, he's, he terrorised me. You know, called me fat, and lazy. I remember, <laughs> I remember in '92 when we were watching St George play the grand final, and I was walking around depressed at the pub somewhere in Canberra. And he said, "What's wrong, Fatso?" And I said, "I'm oh, you." <laughs> I said, what do you think? You know, St. George made the grand final. He said, well, the way you played this year, you'd only be in their reserve grade. And walked off, you know. <laughs> but he, he, he was the key for us. Bit of and, tough, bit of tough, love, bit of tough love uh, for Ricky. But, yeah, but the I, thing is, I your thought, time in Canberra, though, if you fast forward a little bit, one year, really, it was that 1994 hmm. season and win over the, over the Bulldogs where you nearly accepted an offer to play in Britain. Uh, well, I did. But do you tell us the story? You accepted it, yes. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd started the year in first grade and then I broke my foot. I might have been against you guys, I can't remember. It was sort of around 11 or 12 and I broke my little toe and I missed a few games. And in 94, the Raiders were just untouchable. You know, Brett Mullins was on fire and, you know, you miss a few games and then you, you sit on the bench and, you know, not being the, the, the fittest person in the world, you, um, you know, you put a little bit of weight on when you don't train, when you can't run, and then I couldn't get back. He gave me a crack. I think it was against the Tigers in around 16 when I was back, and I dropped the first three balls I hit up. And, you know, it was I, – I, I thought I was going to end up in reserve – like my, my career was going to finish in reserve grade. So I played the last five or six games in reserve grade at Canberra, and, I, you know, I accepted an offer to go to somewhere in England. I can't remember where. And – you know, I stayed for the semis. They, they asked me to stay for the first week because I think Quentin Ponga had a crook shoulder and then Johnny Lomax had a, something else. And then I was due to fly out the day after they played Norths in the in the, the 
whatever the last game is to go into the grand final. And I'm at home. I'll go to training and I'm at home watching it. I'm the only person in the training squad that didn't go to the game. And then Johnny got sent off. Johnny Lomax got sent off. And I thought, oh. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's oh. good. Team <laughs> <laughs> player. Oh, solid. I'm solid. And uh, I said, um, anyway, the phone rang, of course, and it was, I think Tim called me or Brian Ida called me and said, oh, can you stay? We think he's going to get off. But, you know, if he doesn't, you know, he'll start. And I'm going, yeah, right. So anyway, I stayed and I contacted England and they said, um, you know, you need to be on the plane by Thursday, otherwise there's no contract. And the judiciary hearing was Wednesday and then Johnny got one week. And uh, he um, then, you know, I wake up Thursday morning, I'm the only person in Canberra happy about it. Because <laughs> he was playing and so well, he was like he was. It was yeah, he was. He was like he was. Yeah, 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 he was. He had a great year. I think he won out the, the player of the year for the Raiders. But you know, the headline said Raiders to appeal, and I said, "Oh no, you can't appeal. <laughs> <laughs> Just accept your punishment." What's wrong with you, boys? <laughs> anyway, so I um. They uh, they appealed obviously, and then um, the, the hearing was on the Friday. And I I we had a couple of training sessions, and and I we had Brett Hetherington and Dave Wesley, a couple of really good young kids that were coming through. And you know, they, Tim would give them ten minutes, and he'd give me three minutes ball work. You know, just to anyway. So the appeal was on the Friday, the grand final week. You know, don't forget, and. Um, you know, the appeal, I get a phone call from a journalist and I said, oh, the, the appeal was, they lost the appeal. I'm thinking, what does that mean? <laughs> Who lost it? <laughs> Can you explain? He said, I don't know, he's still suspended. And, you know, I think I tore a hamstring jumping for joy. I've told Johnny all this, so don't worry. <laughs> and, and But still, I didn't know if I was playing. So, you know, but you remember back in those days, you sort of trained Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday morning, or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, and we, we yeah. and we had a ball session on Saturday morning at Bruce Stadium, and and I got there and I didn't know what was happening. And Tim walked out of his little office with with you know the big five with Mal, Ricky, Laurie, Steve Walters, and Clyde, and they all look like they you know lost their last dollar. <laughs> he, told me, he told me they all blew up, and I said I was going to start with you. one of the most devastating 28 minute stints for an opener that I've ever seen. You're giving balls around the corner and just this confidence. And, and Walters goes in to work the weight of the ground. Here's Osborn. He throws the dummy. Can he get it away? Yes! There's a try! Farmer! David Farmer! First try! Paul Osborn! He filled the ball! 
Bradley Clyde today appearing to be playing closer into the ruck. And maybe that's because... Oh! Osborne! Another great pass! Nagus! Down the left flank! Even away! Oh, shut the gate! Nagus! Nagus! State of origin debutant this year! He scores! This time, they can't deny it! Well, what about Paul Osborne having a Barry Blinder? A beautiful ball down the left-hand side of the field. And sensational play. They go berserk down on the capital. And Nagus scores the second try. Look at this. Today, Paul Osborne will never forget. He laid the foundation. Five seconds to go to the 1994 ending. And he's running out of the park, Mandruko. The big smile says it all. Canberra are the champions. And I want to ask you where, where you were. I mean, that's a, it's a dream. Um, what were you thinking at that time? Was were you, where were you at with your faith at that time? Was that was that a part of your life? Did you sense anything? Yeah, no. It's, I'd, 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 I had you know, I sort of was in a pretty good place um, in relation to my faith. You know, I was pretty strong and. Um, I, I, I don't for a second think that, you know, you, I, don't, I, I mean, you, I'd like to think that you can pray for this team to win or that team to win. You know, who knows why they win or they don't win. Yeah, <clears> that's um, right. But I was, I was pretty solid. I was very, I was very secure in it at that point. Um, and but my whole, my, all that I really prayed about was was that I didn't make a mistake. You know, like don't don't come out here and miss the tackle that cost them the game. That's what I was worried about, and we kicked off, and Martin Bella knocked on from the kickoff. That's right. And and yeah, you know, you you, you want to do something. You sort of run down from the kickoff, and you've got all that adrenaline. You want to tackle somebody or do something, right? But you don't. And it's like, oh, you get down there, and you're looking around, going, oh, they're going to give us the ball now. <laughs> yeah, you're not. You're not. Ba- you're not. Um, you you haven't exerted that that sort of in it that you know that energy that huge energy that you 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 know you want to. I, I know exactly yeah. how you're feeling, yeah. Yeah, so when you come over next, I'll let you watch everyone's face when we sort of run down there and we're looking at each other going, oh, what happened? Now? Anyway, they dropped off and then Ricky put a bomb up from the end of that set and they dropped it over the, the try line. I hadn't touched the ball by this point. And all I wanted to do was get my hands on my footy so I could get rid of the nerves. And then they did another drop out and second or third tackle, I called down the short side. And Tim had changed the game plan. To, to, to go from, you know, heading to the 50 to a 70-30 so that I got a short side to work on. And I had Mal outside me and I, I got the ball and I dummied to Mal because I'm thinking, you know, they're going to look at me and they're going to look at Meninga. You know, who are you more worried about, honestly? So, <laughs> you know, so I dummied to Mal in this massive hole open. You remember back in those days, they'd paint in gold red. And yes. to this day, I thought I was going to score. Yeah. But, you know, I, I didn't. They called me and Dave Ferner was there. I was, you, you don't think, like you don't. You know, as a ball player, you just do stuff without it's thinking. On, it's on instinct, yeah. Which, which thing, you know, I passed it, yeah. and he caught it and scored a try, you know. And it was like two minutes into the game. And I'm thinking, how did that happen? You know, I was more relieved yeah. more than, you know, like I clenched my fist afterwards, like Ricky hugged me, and, I, and it was more like, oh, thank God. <laughs> 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 it would have, been, have been good to see him smiling at you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, you still make Of course, of course, of course. And then, um, you know, t- 10 minutes later, we were down on our try line and I, you know, we went down the short side again and yeah. uh, again and I uh, got a password to Kenny Nagus. Now, Kenny had this run another 80 metres and beat four or five defenders, but I, I get credit for it. No, no. <laughs> well, you, you should, you should, because he had work to do, but 
he doesn't he doesn't get anywhere near there without that that ball. I watched it again because um, you, you kept sending it to me repeatedly until yeah. I said I'd watched it. But it was a magnificent ball, and I I mean you really got a dream ending. And, and you know, did you know then that was that was going to be the end? You decided not to go to. To, to England and... Yeah, I decided not to go because my, my wife wasn't that keen on going to England and we are going up north and I'd heard all these stories about how miserable it was and um, so we just didn't go and I just decided to retire because, you know, that's it's a, hard. That's a George Costanza. It's a George Costanza high note, <laughs> high note finish. It's a high note finish. <laughs> if, if I've ever seen one, it's a high You're only note. as good as your last game, they say, big boy. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, no, just... <laughs> was it hard? Was it hard to retire? Was it you, you ventured into politics? Was that always on your heart to do, or was that something just just popped up? And you no, I needed a job. So, Fair enough. Know, someone... <laughs> <laughs> they told me you get a car. So I thought, no, I didn't. No, I, I didn't. I'd never really, I, I hadn't really thought about it. And, you know, I stayed in Canberra and I think the Labor Party approached me about running at the election, which was in the following February. And we had a, a fellow around the club called Richard Farmer, who I'm still mates with, who had been a, a, a lobbyist and I worked with Bob Hawke. And he said, don't join the Labor Party, just run as independent. You'll, you'll win easy. And, and, you know, I did. And I held the balance of power for seven years. So it was good fun. Um, and we stayed in Canberra, which I, you know, I really loved Canberra. So, you know, it's a good, I've got a couple of boys down there still. You know, it's a great city, and, and I really enjoyed my time in politics. It was good fun. But what whilst you were there, you came under a bit of scrutiny for your beliefs um, at some stage, at, at some stages in your political constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you how did you handle the heat? That's different to being bagged about a game and. Yeah, I found it. Mm. I found um, look at the. I found the whole politics experience very good for my faith because until you actually have to stand up in front, of, you've done it many times publicly. Until you've got to actually stand up in front of people and say, "I believe this," um, because of whatever, you don't really know what you believe until you actually got to put your hand up. And so that was really good for me. And there's obviously some quite you know, cameras are very liberal top city and not, you know, reasonably conservative. So, you know, we clashed at times about different things, but it was a, overall, it was a good, you know, it was a good time for me. It was a good, good time to be able to, I really enjoyed, what I really enjoyed was being able to have an impact on the city where my kids were growing up. You know, at that point, I don't know how many kids I had, five, six, seven, I don't know, a few. I think I went into parliament with two and came out with seven or eight. I don't know where they all came from, but... (laughs) You know. Well, yeah, you can't take too much credit. I know you had a part to play, no. but but no, no, but, yeah, only small part. <laughs> well, look, you, you, you mentioned you mentioned um, you know if I change pace a little bit, you've you mentioned your family, and I know you got a deep love for your family and all your kids. Uh, you know, obviously yeah. you went, through, went through a very hard time um, with Noah. Um, uh, not oh, pretty, still pretty recently, still pretty raw. How did for those of us? Um, who, who are listening who haven't really heard that story? Can you can you walk us through a little? I know it could be a little bit. Yeah, painful. yeah. No, it's it's not too bad. No, it um, was. Uh, thanks, Peter. Was uh, <laughs> was eighteen. He, he passed away in epilepsy. Had a seizure uh, two years ago. This coming April. So it was quite a quite a you know um, horrendous time as you can imagine. I was in Sweden at the time actually. And um, you know, I, you know, my marriage had broken up ten years ago, and it was, you know, it was not a great period in my life. Mm. 
Um, and you know, uh, you know, through, you know, my ex-wife's a lovely lady. You know, she gets on great with with my current wife. She loves you know <laughs> the two little kids called Ronnie and Sally. You know, it's a little weird, but. But she's a, no, she's a kind-hearted woman. She's, she's a kind-hearted woman. You know, we we get on good. You know, the kids are really good. You know, I've had to, and I worked really hard in the last uh, ten, I suppose, nine years. So I've, I've, I needed to get my kids back. You know, I needed to to really work hard on them. And you know, I did that. And we, I was living in Hong Kong for a while with my wife, and we moved back when Magnus was born. And Noah moved in with us straight away because he was, you know, he was. Hard work at the best of times, but his epilepsy had started to get out of control a little bit. And, you know, he wouldn't take the medication and, and he moved back with us. And, um, you know, he, we, uh, early 2019, we were going to go to Sweden for a month to take the two babies. Maria just had Freya and we wanted to go see her family. And he was actually um, coming to visit us and just, just to have a couple of weeks with us in, in, in Stockholm. But, my daughter called me and, you know, he'd had a seizure and his brother had found him and he passed away, you know, someone on the other side of the world. So you can imagine, oh, you know, yeah. you can imagine. But so anyway, I rushed home. Uh, Maria and the kids stayed up there with the family and I got back and I just I, I just went into autopilot. just felt I had to get my kids through it. My boy, you know, his younger brother had found him and there was all that sort of trauma. Um you know, and it's it's uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I, like it's a little surreal at the moment. But I, I, I'm like I'm obviously missing, and I'm, you know I'm sad about it. But I'm I'm quite peaceful about it now. You know, like I feel, you know, um, um, you know, from a from a spiritual perspective, you know, God gave me a real peace. Mm. You know, so it's that was to, it's hard to explain. It's, that it's hard. It's hard unless, to explain unless, you, know. unless you experience it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just that, you know, I'm not a big scripture reader and I forget most things, you know, but, I'll, you know, my favourite is that Philippians verse where it just says, you know, you know, um, be anxious for nothing, you know, just, mm. just, yeah, and God will give you peace that surpasses all understanding, you know, and in the, in the, middle, in the middle of bearing my son, you know, I felt very peaceful about it. I had a, I had a really good mate because I was in the police forces, you know, um, and he, I was a detective and he was my partner and he's, he had a young boy called Matty, and he, uh, um, Matthew Lambert, he ended up joining the army and was killed in Afghanistan, you know. And, oh, wow. um, you know, and he and I kept in touch. And he, you know, and, and it, uh, Matty died in 2011. I was, so it was a long time ago, and I kept in touch with, with, with Chris. And, and he just, you know, he got to the point where he said, you know, he said to me all the time, he said, you know, I miss him. Of course I miss him, but I'm just thankful I had him for 20 odd years or whatever it was, you know. So. Yeah. You know, from my perspective, I just, you know, I miss him, obviously. You know, the world's a lot quieter without him. But, mm. but I, was, I was just, you know, I'm blessed to have had him for 18 years. That's and, great, you know, and I feel... Attitude. It's a great attitude. Yeah, well, you yeah, know, I feel I'm going to see him again. You know, you I just will. feel... Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that's the greatest thing about faith, about, about you know, following our Christian faith is... is the hope and the reality, I believe, of the afterlife that we will see others again, and it's, yeah, not, it's yeah. not the end. And um, yeah. like we, it was Easter, and I, you know, flew back, and we, you know, we had the funeral on Thursday, and I, I took Ezra, my son, back to Sweden with me because I didn't want to leave him alone because he found his brother, not best mate, you know. 
And I arrived back in Stockholm on the Sunday, and my sister called me on the Monday, and my dad had died. You know, so, you know, I lost my son, I lost my dad. Wow. And to, to be quite honest, dad was, you know, in his 80s and died dialysis. He died three times at hospital. Wow. You know, I expected him to go at any point. Yeah. You know, so it was a, you know, it was a pretty tough time. And I, you know, I've been through difficult periods in my life. You know, when my marriage broke up, I, I carried a lot of guilt about it because it was my fault. You know, I'm a, you know, and made some really dumb choices in my life. Um, and, you know, I, I, there was a period where I was sort of, I wouldn't say I was estranged from God, but I just, we weren't, you know, we weren't talking that much, mm. you know, and I remember, I think I might have said to you the other day, I, was, you know, I, I listened to a tape, you know, I've got some stuff from Judah Smith and, and on his Jesus Is mm. book and there's a DVD, you know, and the, the underlying message for me out of all that was that God loves me regardless. You know, and God loves all of us, regardless. You know that we're all good. nobody's perfect. You know I'm far from perfect. No, you know, I make plenty of mistakes, plenty, plenty, plenty of mistakes. But I think, from my perspective, the the, the thing about my Christian faith more than anything is the grace component. You know, it's the most important thing that we have. Is that you know we and I think it sets us that apart from anybody else is you just that free gift. Mm. You know, and when I, you know, and I got that, and 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 you know, I just feel loved, and, and I suppose but the hardest thing for me is that some of my kids irritate me at the best of times. You know, I want to show them that God is love. <laughs> you want, you don't sound like to show them the wrath of God as well. Which, That's right. Which I like that Old Testament God, you know, where he destroyed the whole town. <laughs> Which, which is not true. Which is not true. But, what, what, but really, what, what what you're talking about, really, if we if we can talk a little bit of a, a scripture, is is Luke fifteen eleven thirty two. It's a story of the the prodigal son. It's a son who 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 had it all. He 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 goes away, and yet we see the father, um, you know, waiting at the front for him. So he's you know he's basically the son. Pretty much for that day, for him to ask for his inheritance. It's almost like I'm cutting you off, Dad, and I'm you're as good as dead to me. That was the significance of asking for your inheritance when your dad was alive, and so, and so. Yet we see, um, you know, this 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 amazing story of the the prodigal son, which really I always thought should be rephrased to to, to be called the the forgiving father, really, because it's it's not the emphasis on the son; it's the emphasis on what the father what the father does and how he reacts. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it's opposite pretty much to how hu- humans how we interact with each other. It's, well, it's, it's, so, it's such a grand, uh, overwhelming love that it's 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 not a natural love. It's a supernatural love from a father who just says, "Come home, no matter what you've done." And you know, if anyone's listening who's who's estranged from from God, I, I like I I admire Paul. I love your story because because. You know, you had the humility to admit that you made mistakes. Not all of us do, and then the sense to say, "But can I come home?" And that's mm. where the, that's where the dad says, "I've been waiting for you." That's a look. Uh, that's probably my, my wife's obviously a Swedish socialist atheist, like all of <laughs> She's not really, but yeah. you know that she 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 doesn't struggle with that prodigal son story. But it's a, it, it's such a valuable lesson to me as a father, you know, because I. My kids are really good. I've been blessed, really. I mean, a couple of them irritate the hell out of me at the moment. And it's hard for me to, you know, I have to, I look at that and I go, I don't want to talk to him because he's giving me the, 
whatever, you know, draw him out the bloody wall. Mm. You know, I don't want to slap him, you know, but, uh, you know, if, if, if God had, a, had have said that to me when I was sort of struggling a little bit, you know, I may never have, you know, sort of sorted myself out. You know what? You know, from my perspective, I think, you know, it's a, it's a valuable, valuable lesson to me as a dad. So I feel my, the most important job I have at the moment, maybe losing Noah was the catalyst. Is I just, I'm just trying to be a good dad. You know, I have no desire to, to you know, be have a big flash office or a big pile. I'm just happy to, to, to be a good dad. Yeah, but I struggle with it sometimes because it's not easy to show that unconditional love to them when they irritate, when they irritate you. You know, so, oh, there's, you no know. Doubt. there's no doubt. Let's just say uh, for both of us, patience is an area of growth. For us, mm. if we could just <laughs> agree on that, it's it. patience is an area of growth. I think for most for most people, but um, Ozzy, I think look, I really appreciate it um, being so open and vulnerable, and I do appreciate. I remember when I found faith, um, one of the first people that I met was you, and you gave me a big hug, and you told me you were proud of me, and I just remember thinking, oh wow, like this is a this is a big strong footy mm. guy, footy guy, being open and warm and. And it set a tone in me about how to to um, to to you know it's just set a tone for me for for a long time about you know being warm with fellow players and mm. and other people and I just want to thank you and um, I thank you for your time as well because I know I know with uh, how many kids do we have? <laughs> well, I've got two here. I've got another, you know, nine or whatever I've got somewhere else. You know, I lose track. You're, like my daughter. <laughs> My daughter's 29. She babysits her two-year-old sister on a Monday, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. funny. It was funny when, I don't know you got to go, but there's a little coffee shop near us, and I would take the two kids up, and then Sabella, my 29-year-old, would take the two kids up, and then go, oh, is that his wife? She's young for his wife, you know, but she looks a bit like him. And then Daisy, who was 16, will take the two kids up there for a coffee, and they're going, what? Uh, hang on. And then Maria. My wife will take the kids up. <laughs> it's like, isn't he like a Mormon or this something guy. with four wives? What's going on? <laughs> I think I think Isabella, one of the girls, had to explain, oh, well, you know, it's my dad, or it's my stepmother, and these are my... Oh, too funny. Well, mate, never dull, never dull, brother. Oh, never dull. So good. Well, look, mate, thank you so much, and um, for, thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, and, and if you missed uh, Sunday night, of course, you can next Sunday morning, 5.30 to 7 a.m. Magnus <laughs> would have already been up for an hour, um, and so we replay this one, but also it's on 2CH uh, Digital, and you can go to the 1170 SEN app as well and go to catch-ups, and you can see all the Spirit of Sport interviews. We've had some really great ones. None better than this, I've got to say. Paul Osborne, thank you so much for your time, and to all who've listened, have a great week. This is Jason Stevens, and you... It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. You've been listening to the Spirit of Sport.